I'm excited to get into today's teaching. Uh, I know that 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 clip was a little bit long, and chapter nine is is really this extended story about a blind man, and this is important. It's important to John in this in this section of John. We're in what some call the book of signs. Jesus is doing sign after sign after sign, sign so that you would see the truth of who he is. And the blind man sign. This this story is dripping with irony. And I want you to see it. And so I want to walk through it again with you just, just one more time because I, it's so important that you get this. It begins, a, and Jesus is walking along, and he discovers a man who's blind from birth. He spits on the ground, makes some mud, and puts it on the man's eyes. He tells him to go and wash, and the man's sight returns. It's interesting that the people don't recognize him with sight. Did you see that in the text? Like, like there was something different about him, and they even say, isn't this the blind guy? And some say, no, it just looks like him. Isn't it interesting that somehow, like, this guy's blindness had become his identity? And the previous blind guy is trying to convince them, no, I am the guy. And they ask, who healed you? The man they called Jesus. The Pharisees, they show up to investigate the case. The Pharisees are supposed to be the Sherlock Holmes of the, the religious world, right? Like, like they are the wise interpreters of Scripture. They're looking for every clue and prophecy. They examine all the signs. They're the experts, the knowledgeable, and, and most observant ones. They are the ones who never miss a clue, except in this story, instead of Sherlock Holmes, they end up looking more like Mr. Magoo. You know who I'm talking about? Look it up. And the previously blind man tells the Mr. Magoos the whole story. And they ask really important questions. How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And you know the answer. He can't. If he was a sinner, he could not do this. Sinners can't do signs. Only creators. And verse 18 is really important. It says the the Jewish leaders, it says they refused to believe. They refused to believe the man who is blind. So what do they do? They do the most rational, reasonable thing you could imagine. They call his parents. They do. Like, like how old is this guy? Seven? So Mr. Magoo's, they interrogate the previously blind man's parents. And they say, is this your son? How has this happened? And the parents reply, he's grown. Why are you asking us? He's not seven. Why don't you just ask him yourself? And they do. They call him in again. They call him in the principal's office one more time. And this time they say, they say, give glory to God, which is a way of tell the truth this time, right? Won't you just tell the truth? You know, put your hand on the Bible, you know. Tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Just give glory to God. And they say, 
we already know Jesus is a sinner. It's an important question to interject in this story. Do you believe that we see what we want to see? What do they want to see in Jesus? The blind man says, look, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. What I do know is that I was blind, but now I see. And they ask, well, how did he do this? How did he do this? How did he heal you? And then my favorite verse in this whole section, verse 27. I think maybe even I put it, I think maybe even I have it, Marin. The previous blind man looks at the detectives who were supposed to see every clue. The previous blind man looks at them and says, look. Do you get this? Look. It, this is actually in the text. He says, I already told you, didn't, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? And then, like, if you read a little bit further, like, he's just getting a little bit snippy. <laughs> like, do you see this? The previous blind guy is telling the people who are supposed to see, he tells them, look, and then he asks them this question. I love this. Well, you must want to be his disciples, too. Have you ever had that laugh that it's one of those moments like you're not supposed to laugh, but, and so you try to catch it, and then it comes out your nose? Has that ever happened to you? And it's like, <clears throat> one of those? Um, you know, it's like, it's that moment you're not supposed to laugh. Like, I think the crowd who was around them right just then, they, they went, <clears throat> because the previous blind guy is making a fool of the guys who think they're Sherlock Holmes. He's exposing them. It, 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 when he says, do you want to become his disciples? It's like, oh, no, he didn't. It was mic drop moment. And the Pharisees say, well, we don't even know where this guy's from. And this is the final straw. Like, this is it. The previous blind guy just can't take it anymore. And in verses 30 through 33, he preaches to them. He says, you don't know where he's from. He says, well, that's very strange. He healed my eyes, but you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. He says, ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. And if this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. Where is Jesus from? Bethlehem, Nazareth, not in John. Go back to chapter 1. Where's Jesus from? It's from the beginning. From Genesis. From the very creation. John says, ever since the world began. 
And it turns out that's exactly where John says Jesus is from. In the beginning, Jesus. Humans from Judea don't have power to create sight. Humans born from other humans don't have the power to build new eyeballs. Only creators have that power. Only creators have the power to create eyes. And where does the blind man say Jesus is from? From heaven. This has major social consequences, by the way. But Jesus isn't done with him. It says that Jesus seeks him out. He's not going to leave him hanging. He finds the previous blind man and asks, do you believe in the Son of Man? The previous blind man simply says, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. And Jesus says, verse 37 of chapter 9, And Jesus is, is, is talking about vision, but there's something deeper that's happened to this man. The previous blind man simply says, yes, Lord, I believe. And Jesus says, this is why I came. This is why I'm here. I entered this world to give sight to the blind, to show those who think they see that they are blind. And again, the Mr. Magoo shows up again right? They, have, they appear out of nowhere, and they say, are you saying that we are blind? Like, so, okay, so sometimes, like, there's unintentional blindness that happens. Sometimes, sometimes maybe there's, there's physical blindness that, like, the blind man, Jesus can heal that. But there's, there's really another type of blindness in this story that, that John is trying to bring to the surface. And it's called willful blindness. I, I didn't know this, but this is an actual legal term. It, it's actually in our legal system. Willful blindness. Um, sometimes it's called, this may sting a little, willful ignorance. And willful blindness is, is simply, it's intentionally keeping yourself unaware of the facts. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I have an opportunity to know, I had an opportunity to know the truth and see the truth, but I've really turned my head away from that truth so I don't ever have to deal with the liability or the consequences of potentially knowing that truth. 
And this story is all about willful blindness. The problem isn't physical. So this morning, I want to give you just a, just a few minutes. I, I just want to spend a few minutes on this. I want to give you a vision test, okay? Uh, I'm going to give you a test that, that checks your eyes to, to see if your eyes are really open and working. Uh, I, I think uh, a baby that gets this test as a kid is, is never going to be blind. description like and you have to list your strengths and weaknesses um how good are you at seeing your own faults okay i think this is a vision test um my impression is that most of us uh struggle with this and, and there is a tendency in us sometimes to minimize our own faults and failings while magnifying the faults and failings of others. Am I, am I in your kitchen now? We're cooking. I'm telling you. We're going there. Is there a tendency in you to somehow diminish your faults and failings, your weaknesses, while magnifying them in others. That's even kind of disconnected from the Bible. We spend a lot of time magnifying our own failings. This, this is an important attitude for people whose eyes are open. It demonstrates a willingness to accept blame, to see their own faults. It's incredibly dangerous to, to somehow like uh, claim that you are the only one that has sight. Uh, I, I think another test of your vision, another test of your eyesight, another test to see if your eyes are really open is to simply ask the question, how many close friends do you have? And by close friends, I mean, how many friends do you have that, uh, that maybe have different opinions than you? I think one test of your eyesight is if, if everybody you hang out with, if everybody in your circle thinks and believes exactly like you,
sideways in some direction. Who do you know right now? Like maybe, maybe you need to write this name down. Who, who have you given permission? Hey, if, if you see me going just sideways, and man, I, and sometimes we just get sideways, and if you see me going in a wrong direction, I give you permission to just, just come straight to me and call me out and tell me that I'm wrong. Do you have that person in your life? Because if not, you're really positioning yourself to have eyes closed. It's so important that we have and, and welcome others. Come in. Now, maybe not everybody. I wouldn't give those keys to everybody. I wouldn't give them to just anybody. But it is so important that, that's you, that somebody else has authority to speak to you. spots. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Who in this room doesn't have blind spots? You have full sight, full vision of everything and anything that happens around you. And we need, we need like a Christian accountability to keep us straight. So are you willfully blind? I, I mean, what are your weaknesses? Are you able to see your own faults? How many close friends do you have? And, and do they have an opportunity to speak truth into your life? Will you really listen? I, I think another test of, of your eyesight is to, is to learn the new math. You guys know the new math? Have you seen the new math? How many of you like the new math? <laughs> um, so I got into an argument with somebody about the new math. Uh, I think we actually have some math teachers in here. Uh, I got into an argument with somebody about new math. So, you know, there's a different, they're teaching math different now. Or, and, and the whole argument centered around this, uh, which was, why do they have to change math? Math has always been taught the same way. Why did we have to change math? There was nothing wrong with the math that I was taught. The math that I was taught was the right Math, it's always been this way. And because I'm just a jerk, sometimes I ask, I was like, so you learn math with an abacus, right? You know, just, <laughs> sorry. Um, here's, the, here's the test. Is the knowledge you have the only knowledge worth having? Let me say it again. Is the knowledge you have the only knowledge worth having? I mean, we got to be careful here. Because sometimes we can slip into this place of, well, if I don't know it, you don't need to know it. Don't, you, you know who I'm talking about? If I don't somehow already know it, if I haven't already somehow learned it or gleaned it, well, 
it must not be that important. And, and man, if those attitudes are creeping in on you, I would just say, man, danger, 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 danger. Do you know what the word disciple means? It means student. It means learner. At Aspen Grove, we exist to grow followers, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. It is a belief that we all have something to learn. I believe that the oldest in this room can learn from the youngest and the youngest from the oldest. Amen? And we, this is, this is not just within the Christian world. This is in our culture. Like, we need so much more of this. We need to be students again. And, and to do that, to really learn from someone else, to not just like silo your own personal knowledge, means to really value what you don't know. And I know that maybe that seems weird, but it's true. It means to see in others, to, to look at others in a way that says, I can learn something from you which I think is too many times the opposite of how we look at people. But to see each person as valuable, to see each person as with, to, to see each person and their experience as having something to offer. It is to walk through your day, to walk through your life going, man, there's a lot that these people around me can teach me. Let me ask you, like, are, are, are you interested in others because of what they can teach you? Maybe there's a lot of other things that you could put on your vision test. Uh, I, I think if your life is crazy and hectic and frantic, the, the, the likelihood of your eyes being really open is probably diminished. Uh, I, I think uh, if you're mega stressed out, like, it's going to be hard for you to be really open to, to, to listen or to see what's happening around you because you're going to just get tunnel vision. Um, I think another test of your vision is just the ability to not just know your weaknesses, but the ability to count your blessings. How good are you at seeing the blessings of God? Uh, recently, I've been, I've been meeting with some folks and, and uh, I, I've got some friends that, that don't have faith and, and, you know, they, they really don't know who Jesus is. And, and man, recently we've been having the same conversation. It feels like I have the same conversation again and again. And they, they kind of always come to this point of, well, I know there's a bunch of people that have experienced God and seen God, but, but I haven't seen it. I haven't experienced it for myself. And if, if Jesus, if God or whatever is out there would just somehow show me the truth, then I would believe it. Don't show somebody else. I want, I want just to show me. And I'm sitting there listening to them, and I'm thinking, like, like can't you see it? Because even as they speak these words, I, I can see a million ways that God has revealed them, himself to them. I can see a million ways 
that God is trying to move into their life and, and reveal his truth to them. I want to say, well, you've got parents that love you and you've got a, a Christian spouse that's putting up with you and you've got friends that love you and your friends are praying for you. You've got a life filled with blessing. And all you have to say is, well, if God would just show me. And I think it is a warning to all of us about willful blindness. In just a few minutes, we're going to, I'm going to send you to a space to, to commune with God. Maybe it's the time to pray, reflect, and encourage you to, to write names over here. Uh, man, I hope maybe even, even praying over these names have, have opened your eyes to the need of our city for the truth of God. I, I hope some of that is, is, is coming through. And as you enter this communion space, I just want to leave you with a, with a few thoughts. Are there things that God wants to reveal to me, but that I have been unwilling to see? Maybe as you go into this communion response space, I just want you to ask yourself the question. Uh, it's, it's a dangerous question, but it's worth asking. What have my eyes been closed to? What have my eyes been closed to? And if you see that your eyes have been closed, what would have to change in you, in your vision, to be able to see clearly? I love what Matthew says, uh, Jesus' words in Matthew in chapter 7, verses 7 through 8. He says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. And, and this is a promise that I believe for everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Do you believe that? John says that all of creation is filled with the signs and the fingerprints of Jesus. He says, the proof, the evidence you've been searching for is right in front of your eyes. And so today, right now, in this second, I, I'm going to give you the advice of a previously blind man. Won't you look? Like the blind man, I invite you to wash the mud from your eyes to see for yourself that Jesus is the Son of God. I want that desperately for each of you. And I want you to be able to respond like he did. Yes, Lord, I believe. I invite you to give yourself to him to name him Lord of your life. In just a moment, I'm going to say a prayer and I'll dismiss you to a time of communion. If there's ways I could pray for you or serve you, man, maybe God is revealing some stuff to you. Thank God for that. If we can help in that process, I'll just, I'll just move to the back and, and I'd love to receive you there. Will you pray with me? Father God, 
Thank you so much for your word. Oh, it's, it's so powerful and, and so penetrating. Father God, don't let any of us stand here and think, man, I've got this thing covered and, I, and I'm seeing clearly. God, maybe there, there have been things that my eyes have been closed to and, and that revelation process, God, that's, that's tough and frightening sometimes. But Father God, help us to enter into it courageously. Father God, maybe there are those here whose eyes have been closed to your truth, been closed to the truth of who you are. God, I pray today that those eyes would be opened. I believe in your revelation. I believe that you are, you are showing yourself, that you are making yourself visible. God, only if we would open our eyes and see the truth. Father God, put on us a, a compassion for those in our friends and neighborhoods and, and, and communities who don't see you. Let us in some way put you on so that they in us might somehow see you and come to know you and know the truth. Father God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. We love you, Father. Bless us as we enter into this time of response and communion. And in your son Jesus' name, everybody together says, amen. I invite you to stand and enjoy a time of communion together.